Trees, Lift Health for All is a podcast from the Center for Health Equity Transformation, gathering voices in research and communities around Chicago. Conversations and interviews will discuss the importance of achieving health equity, highlighting health disparities, and exploring innovative ways to improve health for all. Thank you for joining us on Skinny Trees, Lift Health for All. We, like many of our fellow Chicagoans, are staying home and practicing social distancing to flatten the curve. We are here to present a mini-series, COVID-19 in our Chicago communities. Each mini-episode will focus on a different community in Chicago to find out how they are coping with these difficult times. This episode features our co-host, Rabia Dadu, interviewing Fred Ross a registered nurse at the University of Illinois at Chicago Hospital Health Sciences System. He is currently supporting our city's efforts to combat coronavirus by administering COVID-19 drive through tests. Um, welcome, Fred, and welcome, Rabia. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with you both telling us how you're both doing? Yeah, I'll start. So I'm doing pretty well. I've have the fortunate I'm fortunately can work from home and been just taking care of the family and, and getting into a, a new kind of routine, but doing well. I'm doing pretty well too. I basically um run the COVID drive through in the University of Illinois in Miles Square. It's been going well so far. Then now um that was last week and now I'm this week I'm doing the back end of the clinic work calling for results. Thank you, Fred. I want to start by asking you, uh, what department did you work in before the pandemic started and how did you get into the drive-through testing? So um, previously, uh, before the pandemic, drive-through COVID testing started. Basically, I covered uh, mostly 90% of the clinic in University of Illinois of the outpatient clinic centers. So I've been um, rotating in different clinics from heart, liver, arthritis, to family medicine, to all different departments. And then I believe it was more of like a weekend um, kind of like project that they wanted to do a drive-through and then we were able to get some logistics done and then started a couple of weeks ago on the drive-through project. Was it a voluntary process that you chose to get involved or was it more of a um, asking of all staff to prioritize? So initially it was, uh, we had an emergency meeting. I believe it was like a Thursday. And then it was all the staff, which is like all flow nurses of the ambulatory services in the outpatient setting. And then we all got an, uh, so we, when, we, when we were in the meeting, phone meeting, because of practicing social distancing. So our administrator basically asked us for uh, if whoever wanted to volunteer at the end, I, think mostly everyone volunteered. So then she basically just picked and choose who would be best suited for uh, to the run the COVID clinic. Great. Uh, thank you, Fred. And uh, how have you been doing on the front line? Um, what, are you, you know, what are you doing to protect yourself specifically and your family as well? So, so far, when we volunteer, uh, prior to the volunteering, uh, we were promised that we were going to get protection. So at first we were like, okay, what exactly this protection is because as you can see in China or um, across the globe, basically the protection that they wear is almost like a hazmat suit. So it's like overall um, Tyvek suit uh, with a hoodie and then a face mask, a goggles and an effect mask. And I think over here, a lot of the hospital 
the way they presented the PPE is just like a yellow gown and face shield, it's not even hooded or anything like that. It's just very, very minimal. Or even just a face mask, a surgical mask instead of an N95. So when we were presented with that information that we were going to be uh, protected, so they mentioned that we're going to be all suited up, which is uh, what we're wearing basically as a Tyvek suit. Basically, it's like almost like a hazmat suit with a hoodie covered all the way down to our legs. And then we got our N95 mask. We also have a preference to want to use the goggles or just a face shield. And yeah, um, that's basically what we've been doing in the, in the COVID drive-thru itself. And for, for my family, uh, basically right now, um, when I go home, I mean, for, com- coming from the COVID drive-thru clinic, so basically I take off everything, even the inner layer that I wear. So all my scrubs, I take it off in my car and uh, put it in a separate container. And then when I come home, I basically just go straight, take a shower. And even even sleeping, I would sleep in a different room away from my uh, family. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like you're taking every measure you know, yeah, to protect yourself that you can, and especially um, with your family sleeping in yeah, separate rooms. To the question of um, the general public reads a lot of headlines and um, stories, but is there something specific that you would like to talk about that maybe the general public does not see? A lot of, I still see this from time to time. And I, I live in the suburbs uh, and I work in the general Chicago area, especially in the suburbs. Uh, when, when I drive home, uh, I see that a lot of people are not even taking you know, any measurements of protection while other people are overusing, in general, like overusing the protection itself, like wearing gloves and other sorts of N95. However, N95 itself has to be properly fitted to begin with, okay? Um, They're small, medium, big. I mean, depends on what brand it is. Um, In the hospital, I mean, of course, with the liability of the hospital, they they want to make sure that you are fitted first before you start using an N95. However, like for the public, when they start wearing N95 and it doesn't fit well, it actually gives them a false sense of protection that they're being protected, which is an issue. Because from what we've heard now from World Health Organization, they're basing this as airborne. And then now CDC is saying that this is still droplet. I I just don't understand because sometimes we, we are wearing N95, so technically it is airborne. And a lot of patients out there are basically wearing the wrong mask or it doesn't fit well or basically they play around with it too much to the point that that's what um, they were saying that maybe it's much better to just not wear a mask because people are playing around with the mask for too much or maybe they have a false sense of protection that they're wearing the, uh, the mask but even though it's not really protecting them so those are like the few things that I had concerns um, and a lot of just general public, uh, suburban or in Chicago that have trouble with. And another thing that I see is like people are basically wearing gloves. That's fine. Um, However, then they have this false sense of protection that, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store, hold this, hold that. They're not even like washing their hands. So Mm -hmm. basically they're bringing germs from one thing to another all the way to their car and they're still wearing these gloves. So you know, if you're just using your hand, so people are more aware. So they're like, okay, let me use the hand sanitizer when I touch. Let me use the hand sanitizer again when I touch this. And then I go to my car. Let me use the hand sanitizer. If you are wearing gloves, at least like treat it like as if like you're using your bare hand. 
and not trying to spread it around just because like you know that there's a barrier between your hand and environment that's a good point fred thank you for bringing that up i think uh yeah i think the majority of people don't have training and um yeah these types of practices and in the hospital so it is helpful to hear what each of us can do to protect ourselves and protect others when we're we do um, wear a mask as what is now recommended by the um, CDC, a face covering rather, some type of face covering. Could you, um, to go back to that uh, distinction for our listeners, could you do a, a brief comparison of what, what does it mean when it's airborne versus um, the droplets? So droplets is something that, um, uh, that's what they keep recommending like six feet away. So like when you sneeze, cough, um, there's like tiny droplets of saliva that would like project, just basically projectile out, out of your mouth or out of your nose. And it will just fly off and then it will basically drop. So that's the easiest way to kind of understand it. And then you have the airborne, which is basically when uh, when someone is just breathing or coughing or sneezing or whatever, when it's airborne, it, it can basically go through a lot of the mask. If it is not N95, like a surgical mask or a face covering, it just penetrates through that because it's such a small, um, it's a small particle. That's like the best way I could explain that one. Thank you. Right. So, so one's like still in the liquid form, another one is more like um, airborne. Airborne air, like yeah, like how uh, aerosol is in the air. Yes. Okay. Right. Thank you. Well, Fred, I'd like to shift into um, your day to day with the drive-through testing. Could you? Start by letting us know who is eligible for this COVID-19 testing and how do you screen the um, people who do uh, show up and get tested? So basically, um, right now, we're only taking patients who are UIC patients. That also comes well for employees. Today, we just transitioned that the employees go to the employee health. Uh, it was going to the employee health before, but then once we opened the drive through we were able to uh, bring in more volume. So, and then it's much safer to just bring everyone in that site versus walking around in the other buildings that could also possibly spread the infection somewhere else. But they were able to, um, today they were able to uh, fix their own station so they could do it safely and more protected from each other, uh, from patients and also from other employees. And for patients, uh, basically we only take patients who are UIC uh, patients. However, there are some kind of, what do you call this? We, we have what we call mile, mile, mile square. Basically, it is uh, almost like an urgent care or for people who doesn't have a primary care. So they go to that area and they can see a uh, nurse practitioner, which serves as almost like a primary care. So there are patients who doesn't have any primary care. Um, and then they go to those area, mile square in Pilsen or mile square in Maxwell. And then... They present their symptoms, even though they've never been into UIC, they get assessed and then they get orders. So basically to get tested, you need a primary care doctor referral, which it can be from your own primary care that you already have with your insurance, or you can go to one of these sites where you can get evaluated by a provider and then they can order the referral for you. So you need a referral and second, you need also, uh, you also have, have to have symptoms. So when, you, when I say symptoms, you need three, uh, three symptoms that we're looking for. One is fever, coughing, and also the third one is trouble breathing or shortness of breath. So if you meet all those criteria, 
um, then you're good to go. Then they'll just order it and then they'll send you to the site. And then basically for that, for the COVID drive-through is by appointment only. So it's, we don't take any walk-ins. There are people who do walk in by, but they have to make an appointment. They can just walk through if they don't drive. But um, so we both take walking and also driving, but it has to be by appointment. It has to be a UIC patient and it has to be ordered by a doctor and have to have those symptoms. Okay. So for example, if someone knowingly had been exposed, let's say their family member has been diagnosed with COVID-19 and they are concerned they might have it, but they're not showing symptoms. That person would, would not be eligible to do the drive-through testing at this time. So from what I've noticed, it, it's a hit or miss. Some patients are immunocompromised or have a higher risk, a higher risk due to um, comorbidities that uh, when there's an exposure that uh, the doctor will recommend, hey, okay, fine, you, need, you do need to get tested just to be safe. And then those orders or those patients, they, we do accept them. However, for the majority for people who are healthier um, to begin with, uh, doesn't have much comorbidities, we just recommend those patients to, be, uh, to self-isolate for at least 7 to 14 days. Okay, thank you. Got that. So for Fred, for those who might not know, could you, could you explain the actual process of the test, uh, what happens and, and how, that, yeah, how, how the test is performed? Sure. So um, our drive-through has been very good and efficient. The testing actually itself, the actual doing of it, actually test them, uh, takes less than one minute. So basically you drive up to, to, um, to the security area and then they will double check your driver's license or your Illinois state ID. And then you basically do not have to open your window. They will have, a, will have instructions, bring out your ID, and then they will verify if you have an appointment. And we basically take those by appointment and then we have to drive up all the way around and then, then we're gonna do the testing. So by the time they drive up to the testing site, uh, we also have a six pages of instructions. So basically the first one will be turning off your engine. Second, that they can only do, uh, they can only nod their head. They cannot talk during the procedure. If they have any questions, they have to talk to their primary care doctor or nurse practitioner. And then the other um, instruction basically is what to expect during the testing. And then once it's verified and the patient's okay with it, and then we double check the ID again, and we verify where their name and date of birth just by nodding, um, and then also by their uh, driver's license or state ID or employee ID. They basically just open their window, they bring it down, and then they're instructed to open their mouth, and then we, we grab a sample through the mouth, and then we instruct them to uh, blow their nose, and then they tilt their head up, and then we do one nostril at a time, and we put it all the way almost to like the ear level, from the, from the nose to the ear level, and um, it's like maybe three to four inches all the way in. And then we do one nostril at a time and we leave it for 10 seconds each time. So we do the left 10 seconds then the right 10 seconds and then, and then after that, then we ask them to close their window. So basically this, uh, the patients or the people who go through this drive-thru, they don't have to talk. They just need to nod their head, open the window and do the test. Then we ask them to leave after that. And then we give them additional instructions during that process that they will get a follow-up phone call um, after testing. Thank you, Fred. Yeah, that, that process with the up, the up the nostrils doesn't sound comfortable. So there is a bit of um, discomfort. Yeah. So during the testing for the nose part, it is very uncomfortable. However, most of the time, I, I wouldn't say 
it would be painful, but some patients do have, uh, some patients do feel like it's painful, but most of the time it just goes in easily and it's just uncomfortable. It's harder sometimes for patients who squint or like try to move their head around. Also for patients who have very congested nose or like they have like inflamed or allergies or they're congested to begin with, uh, it's kind of harder to put it all the way in. However, when we do the testing, we do not force it. If we feel resistance, we stop to the area and then we just leave it there and then we take it out. Well, thank you, Fred. I have one, one last question for you. What would you say to those people who may not be taking this as seriously? I have coworkers basically have their family members in critical condition and a few of them actually, their family members have uh, passed away because of this illness. I would call this almost like a flu and steroids, basically. It's just very infectious. There is no treatment for it. It is just rest and time, like the flu or cold. If you're very irresponsible in your action and you could actually cause infection for people easily, uh, I talked to one of my patients today and said that um, their family member just has been walking around outside and doesn't believe that it's real, even though it's the other member has been positive. This disease or illness has caused so much anxiety for other people. And people really need to take it seriously because there are many people who are affected by this and it's not a joke. Many of my coworkers have, or friends even, like have, you know, as, as healthcare workers, we've been the front line to this and we dedicated our job. We chose this job and it's really hard. And when people are not participating and doing their part, it's harder on us because we all, we have to come to work and deal with this and has to, and we have family to go back to, to also it's very stressful for us. And I hope like people will be a little bit more considerate on their actions and what they do and take this a little bit more seriously. Thank you for, yeah, for sharing that, Fred. I think that's important for listeners to hear from you directly when we're home and we're home for weeks. It's sometimes difficult to, because we're separated from the reality that you confront every day. So um, thank you for sharing that. And you know, we all agree with you. It should be taken seriously and consequences. Um, we're already seeing it happen. Um, so we thank you for your, your dedication and your work every day. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Fred. We're really grateful for all the work that you're doing right now. Finitrees wants to express just how thankful we are to all the city's healthcare providers and essential workers that are on the front lines and that continue to work hard to keep all of us safe. Thank you again. Stay home, save lives. Thank you for listening to Skinny Trees. opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions of the following entities. National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, Northwestern University, Northwestern Medicine, Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, the Robert H. Lurie Comprehensive Cancer Center, the Institute for Public Health and Medicine, University of Illinois at Chicago, and Northeastern Illinois University. Skinny Trees is proudly produced and edited in the Center for Health Equity Transformation, led by Dr. Melissa Simon at Northwestern University. Dr. Simon is a member of the United States Preventive Services Task Force, USPSTF. 
This podcast does not necessarily represent the views and policies of the USPSTF. Due to the social nature of this podcast, the content used might be copyrighted by another entity or person. This podcast claims no copyright to set content.